Greetings, Northlings, and welcome to Haunted Up North. Hello there. Who the devil are you? I know who the devil I am. I'm your spirited guide, Victoria, and I'm here to tell you some supernatural stories from deep within the eerie domain of the North. The British North. British. British. I say, let's smoke cigars around the fireplace and talk about being British together. I hope you all find yourselves scintillated, scared, and most importantly entertained by the spectral British voice you're about to hear today. You'd better be, because we've got a special spectral British... Actually, actually, it's not at all spectral. Neither is it British. Neither is it singular. It's a tale, not a tales. But it's definitely spooky. That's for flipping sure. I'm going to tell you about it in a minute after I've finished being British. I've finished being British now. Gather round and listen to me talk about something strange and deeply upsetting, might I warn you all, I'm still being British. Stop it! It is, however, quite a harrowing story I'm about to relate, British or not. It includes some very sensitive and off-the-scale trauma subjects. So please pause and read the trigger warnings in the show notes before you continue. The topic of conversation this evening originates from the Americas. North America, the northern segment of the two American continents. So we could possibly say it's a northern narrative, except, though it may originate from North America, it actually takes place in downtown LA, Los Angeles, in Southern California. So I've ruined it but never mind. The story itself will make up for the dubious amount of northernness, and that story, the story with a dubious amount of northernness and an excessive amount of seriousness, is The Death of Elisa Lam Elisa Lam, a student enrolled at the University of British Columbia, was the 21-year-old Canadian daughter of immigrants from Hong Kong. In mid-2010, she began a blog known as Etherfields, where, for the next two years, she shared images of fashionable models and provided personal accounts of her life, notably her ongoing battle with mental health challenges. Lam had previously received a diagnosis of bipolar disorder and had been prescribed various medications to manage her condition. The Lam family, who preferred to keep their daughter's mental health situation private, stated there were no indications of suicidal thoughts or previous suicide attempts. However, she did have a history of intermittently neglecting her bipolar medications, leading to instances of distressing hallucinations that prompted her to seek refuge beneath her bed. One account also hinted at a brief period in her life 
when she had actually gone missing. During these episodes, she had been hospitalised at least once, and, in a blog post from January 2012, Lam expressed her disappointment at having suffered a relapse during the beginning of the current school term, resulting in her having to drop several classes. This left her feeling profoundly lost and without a clear sense of direction. She titled the post, You're always haunted by the idea you're wasting your life. A little over two years after starting Ether Fields, Elisa Lam announced her decision to discontinue her original blog and transition to a new one on Tumblr called Nouvelle Nouveau. The content of this new blog primarily featured fashion photographs, inspirational quotes, and occasional personal posts from Lam herself. On January the 26th, 2013, Elisa Lam arrived in the city of Los Angeles, having journeyed by Amtrak train from San Diego, heading to Santa Cruz as part of a solo trip around the west coast of North America. Her decision to embark on the solo adventure was presented as a bold step towards self-discovery and an opportunity to explore the unknown. It was a chance for her to break free from the routine of academia, immerse herself in the beauty of the West Coast and make lasting memories along the way. Although her family had expressed concerns about her travelling alone, Elisa remained steadfast in her decision to embark on this journey by herself. In a spirit of compromise, she diligently promised to stay in daily contact with her parents to put their minds at rest. Red flags were raised, however, when on January the 31st, all communication with their daughter abruptly ceased. It was the day of her scheduled checkout from the Cecil Hotel, a low-budget hotel in downtown Los Angeles, located at 640 South Main Street, near the Skid Row District, an area known for its high concentration of homelessness and poverty. Elisa had checked into the Cecil Hotel two days after arriving in LA, intending to remain there for at least three nights before moving on to Santa Cruz. At the time Elisa checked into the Cecil, the hotel had a long-standing reputation of dubious merit with a turbulent history marred by a significant number of suicides and deaths on its premises. Built in 1924, with a $2.5 million investment from hoteliers William Banks Hanna, Charles L. Dix and Robert H. Shops, the Cecil Hotel was originally intended as a haven for business travellers and tourists. Designed by Loy Lester Smith in the Beaux Arts style and constructed by W.W. Payden, it was completed at a cost of $1.5 million. It featured a lavish marble lobby adorned with stained glass windows, flourishing potted palms and exquisite alabaster statuary, standing at a grand total of 15 storeys high with as many as 700 guest rooms. Despite flourishing as a fashionable destination throughout the 1940s, the Cecil Hotel declined in the ensuing decades as the nearby Skid Row area became increasingly populated with transients, with as many as 10,000 homeless people living within a four-mile radius, coinciding with the Great Depression that had gripped the United States within five years of the hotel's opening. Although it was initially conceived as a middle-class Los Angeles hotel, the Cecil eventually transitioned into a budget-friendly establishment, 
catering to transient guests, offering hostel-style accommodations and long-term stays. In the following decades, the Cecil became a notorious meeting place for individuals seeking discreet encounters, a hub for illicit activities such as drug use and sex work, and a haven for those seeking refuge from societal norms. It also developed a reputation for lawlessness and violence, due to a dark unsettling history of at least 16 sudden or unexplained deaths that occurred in and around the hotel. In 1931, a guest at the Cecil, named W.K. Norton, passed away in his room after ingesting poison capsules, and in 1944, a tragic incident unfolded at the hotel, when a young woman of 19 years old, named Dorothy Jean Purcell, gave birth to a baby boy in the bathroom of her hotel room. In a state of distress, she disposed of the newborn by throwing him out of the window. The baby did not survive the fall. Miss Purcell later claimed that she believed the baby was stillborn when she threw him out the window, stating she had been afraid to tell her boyfriend about the birth and didn't know what else to do. However, a coroner's examination determined that the baby had been alive when he was thrown from the window, and Mrs Purcell was subsequently charged with murder. She was ultimately acquitted on the grounds of insanity and committed to a mental institution for treatment, as the court determined she had been suffering from a mental breakdown at the time of the incident. Elizabeth Short, the infamous Black Dahlia, was rumoured to have frequented the Cecil Hotel bar shortly before her horrific murder on January 15th, 1947, and throughout the 1940s and 50s and beyond, the property became associated with a number of suicides, including the death of 35-year-old Robert Smith, who died after jumping from one of the Cecil's seventh-floor windows in November 1947. In 1964, a beloved long-term resident, an ex-employee of the hotel, retired telephone operator Goldie Osgood, was found tragically deceased in her room. The circumstances surrounding her death were also horrific, as she had been subjected to a brutal assault. Her room had been ransacked, and she'd been raped, stabbed, and beaten by an unknown assailant who was never brought to justice. During the 1980s, the Cecil Hotel became infamous for its association with notorious criminals. Serial killer Richard Ramirez, aka the Night Stalker, is believed to have stayed at the hotel for a period of time during his killing spree and was a frequent visitor to the Skid Row area of Los Angeles. During his stay, Ramirez is alleged to have carried out the main bulk of his murders, and it's reported that he would discard his blood-soaked clothing in the alleyway behind the hotel before ascending the interior staircase to his room, clad only in his blood-stained underwear. An Austrian Ramirez copycat killer, Jack Unterweger, also stayed at the Cecil in 1991, where he strangled and killed at least three sex workers. By the time Elisa Lam walked through the doors of the Cecil Hotel in January 2013, it had undergone a partial rebranding in an attempt to distance itself from its troubled past. From 2011 onwards, the hotel was divided into two distinct sections, with two different receptions. Stay on Main, which catered to guests such as Elisa, 
and the Cecil Hotel, which served as a long-term residence for individuals seeking affordable housing. Upon her arrival, Elisa was, at first, allocated a shared room on the fifth floor. However, after her roommates expressed concerns about her behaviour, which the hotel's lawyer later described as odd, she was moved, two days later, to a private room on the same floor. According to Amy Price, the then manager of the hotel, Lam had been leaving notes for her roommates, telling them to go home and go away. She would also lock the door to the room, demanding a password for entry. On one occasion, during a live recording of Conan and Burbank, her disruptive conduct led to her being officially escorted off the premises. On January the 31st, 2013, Elisa Lam was scheduled to check out of the Cecil Hotel and depart for Santa Cruz, but when her parents failed to hear from her that day, they contacted the Los Angeles Police Department to report her missing. In response, the LAPD searched the hotel as thoroughly as they could without probable cause. They inspected Lam's room, where all of her belongings, including her wallet and ID, remained, and had dogs sweep through the entire building, including the rooftop. However, the dogs were unable to detect her scent. After a whole week of zero success in locating the missing woman, they posted flyers with her image throughout the neighbourhood and online media outlets, bringing the case to the forefront of wider public attention. In a statement released by the LAPD, investigators provided a brief physical description of Elisa Lam, along with details of her last known whereabouts. The statement noted that Lam's disappearance was considered suspicious and may have involved foul play. Hotel staff confirmed that Lam was alone on the day that she was last seen. The only person who recalled seeing her outside the hotel was Katie Orphan, manager of the last bookstore on 453 South Spring Street, around 500 yards from the hotel. Orphan described Lam as being outgoing, lively and friendly, as she browsed for gifts to take home to her family, reportedly only expressing concern about whether the books she was considering buying were too heavy to carry around while travelling. On February the 13th, after another week with no sign of Lam, the LAPD released a video of the last known sighting of her taken in one of the Cecil's elevators by a video surveillance camera on January the 31st. In approximately two and a half minutes of footage, Lam, apparently alone, makes unusual moves and gestures. She appears to press every button on the elevator panel, peers into the hallway, leaves the elevator while its doors remain open. Then at one point, she appears to conceal herself in the corner. Towards the end of the footage, Lam exits the elevator and makes a series of unusual hand gestures before seemingly walking away. The doors close later. The video has been widely viewed and analysed, and has sparked a great deal of speculation about what happened to Lam. Some people believe that she was suffering from a mental health crisis, while others believe that she may have been under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Some believe that she may have been followed or harassed by someone in the hotel, and was attempting to move the elevator car to escape her pursuer. Many viewers alleged that the video had been tampered with prior to its release. The video timestamp appears to be obscured, 
and portions of the footage is suspected to have been deliberately slowed down, with nearly half a minute of footage having been removed. This, they speculated, could have been done to conceal the identity of someone who would otherwise be visible in the video, regardless of whether they were connected to Lamb's disappearance. As the search for Elisa Lamb intensified, guests at the Cecil Hotel began reporting low water pressure. Some claimed that their water was also discoloured and had an unusual taste. On the morning of February 19th, hotel maintenance worker Santiago Lopez was dispatched to investigate the hotel's four 1,000-gallon water tanks located on the roof. Upon inspecting the tanks, he noticed that the hatch of one of them was open. As he peered into the cistern, he made the grim discovery of Elisa Lam's body floating face up in the water. The Los Angeles Police Department immediately launched an investigation into the circumstances surrounding Lam's death. Sergeant Rudy Lopez stated that detectives were treating the case as a suspicious death. The discovery of Lam's body in the hotel's water supply sparked a wave of concern and unease among guests and residents alike, and the Cecil Hotel, despite attempts to distance itself from its dark and macabre history, was once again thrust into the spotlight. On the 21st of February, the LAPD coroner's office issued a determination of accidental drowning, listing bipolar disorder as a significant contributing factor. The comprehensive report, made public in June, revealed that Lamb's body was naked when it had been discovered, and that items of clothing resembling those she wore in the elevator video were found floating in the water, coated with a sandy residue. Additionally, her watch and room key were also recovered alongside her. At the time of its discovery, Lamb's body exhibited moderate decomposition and significant bloating. It appeared predominantly greenish in hue, with visible marbling on the abdomen and signs of skin separation. Importantly, there were no indicators of physical trauma, sexual assault or suicide. Toxicology assessments indicated the presence of prescription medication consistent with those found among her belongings, as well as non-prescription substances such as Sinutab and ibuprofen. A minuscule quantity of alcohol was detected, but there were no traces of other recreational drugs. Nevertheless, investigators and experts observed that the concentration of the prescription medications in her system suggested that she was either under-medicating or had recently ceased taking her prescribed medicines. Though the investigation had ascertained how Elisa passed away, it failed to initially provide an explanation as to how she gained access to the tank. Doors and staircases leading to the hotel's roof were locked, with only staff possessing the passcodes and keys, and any attempt to force them open would have presumably set off an alarm. However, it was suggested that the hotel's fire escape might have offered a means to bypass these security measures, as Elisa's scent trail seemed to vanish near a window connected to it. A video posted online after Lamb's demise revealed that the hotel's rooftop could be easily reached via the fire escape, and it showed that two of the water tank lids were open. In addition to the question of how Lamb gained access to the roof, there were also doubts surrounding her physical ability to enter the water tank on her own. 
The four tanks were cylindrical in shape, measuring four by eight feet, and were perched atop concrete blocks, with no fixed means of accessing them. Hotel staff relied on ten-foot ladders to inspect the water levels inside the tanks, which were secured by heavy lids that would be challenging to replace from within. Furthermore, police dogs that were deployed to search the hotel, including the roof, shortly after Lamb's disappearance, failed to detect any trace of her. Supporters of the theory that Elisa Lamb's behaviour in the elevator video was indicative of intoxication by illicit substances remain unconvinced by their absence in the toxicology report. They propose that these substances may have broken down during the period of her body's decomposition in the tank, or that she might have consumed unusual drug combinations not detectable by standard screening. The significantly low concentrations of Elisa Lam's prescribed medications in her system, coupled with the presence of unused pills in her prescription bottle, suggest that she may have been undertreating her bipolar disorder or had recently discontinued her medication, potentially leading to a psychotic episode. Criticisms of the autopsy report and its conclusions were fuelled by incomplete information. The results of the rape kit and fingernail kit were not included in the report, and it was not disclosed whether they had been processed. This lack of transparency raised concerns about the thoroughness of the investigation and the possibility that relevant evidence had been overlooked. In addition, the autopsy report noted the presence of subcutaneous pooling of blood in Lamb's anal area. Some observers suggested that this finding could be indicative of sexual assault. However, a pathologist noted that such pooling could be a result of bloating during the body's decomposition. Lamb's rectum was found to be prolapsed, which can also cause bleeding. As a result, the significance of the subcutaneous pooling of blood in Lamb's anal area is unclear. Following Elisa Lamb's passing, her Tumblr blog continued to be updated. These updates are presumed to have been scheduled through Tumblr's Q feature, which allows users to automatically publish posts at a later date. Notably, Lamb's phone was not found with her body or in her hotel room, so the source of these continued blog updates remains uncertain. It is possible that her phone was stolen and used to post the updates, or that her account was hacked, but it's also probable that the updates were simply scheduled in advance of her death. In September 2013, Elisa Lamb's parents initiated a wrongful death lawsuit against the Cecil Hotel. They claimed that the hotel had neglected its duty to inspect and identify potential dangers within the hotel that posed an unjustifiable risk to Lamb and other guests. Their legal action sought unspecified damages and the costs associated with her burial. The hotel, in response, contended that it could not have reasonably anticipated that Lamb might access the water tanks. They also emphasised the lack of information concerning how Lamb had gained access to the water tank, making it impossible to attribute liability for not preventing the incident. In 2015, the lawsuit was ultimately dismissed. Among the theories that Elisa died from accidental drowning, suicide or murder, the hotel's security cameras that showed Lamb behaving strangely in the elevator, pressing multiple buttons, 
getting in and out of the elevator and talking to herself has led some people to believe that Lam, before her death, was playing a game called the Elevator Game, a supposed ritual that can transport people to another dimension. The Elevator Game, according to Skynet, is a popular urban legend that claims you can access a different dimension by pressing elevator buttons in a specific sequence. However, the game is also associated with potential risks as some people have reportedly gone missing or experienced distress after playing it. To play the game, you must be in a building with at least 10 floors and have access to an elevator. It is important to play alone, and no one else should be in the elevator with you. To start the game, enter the elevator on the first floor and press the following buttons in order. 4, 2, 6, 2, 10, 5, 1. When you reach the fifth floor, you may encounter a mysterious woman. It is important not to look at her or speak to her, as she is said to be not human. After encountering the woman on the fifth floor, you must press the button for the first floor. At this point, if the lift goes down, the player must leave the building and not look back. If the elevator goes to the tenth floor, the ritual has worked and you have entered an alternate dimension. The alternate dimension is said to look like the building that you are in, but it will be empty. Your electronic devices may not work in the alternate dimension and the lights may be off. To return to your own world, you must press the same buttons that took you to the alternate dimension in reverse order. If you press the wrong button, you may never be able to return to your own reality. Some people believe that Elisa Lam may have been trying to play the elevator game before her death. Her strange behaviour in the elevator video, such as pressing all of the buttons and repeatedly entering and exiting the elevator, has led them to believe that she may have been trying to summon something supernatural. Speaking of the supernatural, the Cecil Hotel's ominous past has cemented its status as one of the most notorious haunted establishments in America. Its legacy has left a trail of spine-tingling tales that continue to captivate the imagination of those who dare to explore its corridors. Countless guests have claimed to witness ghostly apparitions their ethereal figures flickering in and out of existence, while others have spoken of unexplained, unsettling sounds emanating from the hotel's walls. I found an article in The Sun. The Sun is a British newspaper, anyone who's not familiar with that. But I found an article from The Sun from October this year entitled I Live Opposite Haunted Cecil Hotel. I hear doors slam and ghosts stare at me at night. I'm so freaked out, I'm moving. Not before you sell the story to the sun, though, eh? The subcaption reads, A man who lives opposite one of the world's most haunted hotels has revealed the terrifying things he sees from his bedroom window. Pete Monzingo has a VIP view of Los Angeles' Cecil Hotel, infamous for housing serial killers and the horror backdrop for a number of mysterious deaths. I'll add a link to it in the source material. I could do an interpretive readout of it, but I'm in danger of outstaying my welcome if I do, and we could be in for an even longer episode than originally planned. But I'll add it, and you can read it. It's quite a scary article, actually. 
it would make a great premise for a film, like ghosts seen in buildings outside from other buildings, that kind of thing. On the theme of movies, the Elisa Lam case has been used as inspiration for films, television shows and music, such as the crime comedy drama Castle, the ABC series How to Get Away with Murder, the horror thriller Hungry Ghost Ritual, and the fifth series of American Horror Story Hotel. To name just a few, the circumstances of Elisa Lam's death bear striking similarities to the plot of the 2005 horror film Dark Water. In the film, a mother and daughter discover the body of a missing girl in their apartment building's rooftop water tank after being plagued by a dysfunctional elevator and discoloured water, which is really weird because the film came out eight years before Elisa died. It's ridiculously basically the same plot, isn't it? Or the same... <laughs> I won't say it's a plot, obviously. Um, you know, Elisa Lam really did die. She was a real person. But the similarities between the two narratives have led some people to speculate that Lam's death was influenced by the plot of the film. However, there is no concrete evidence to support this claim. We'll never know whether the two things are connected, but it's, it's just so odd that, isn't it? It is a sad truth that the death of Elisa Lam has become a source of entertainment for some people. It is important to remember that she was a real person with a real family and real friends who loved her and still miss her. Mystery is not always fun, neither is the paranormal. And when it comes to Elisa Lam, I think it's important to be respectful of her memory, and remember that her death was still a heartbreaking tragedy. In 2014, the Cecil Hotel was sold to Richard Bourne for $30 million, after which Simon Barron Development acquired a 99-year ground lease on the property. In 2016, Matt Barron said he was committed to preserving the hotel's grand lobby, but his company planned to completely redevelop the interior. The hotel closed in 2017 for renovation, but the work was suspended indefinitely due to the COVID-19 pandemic. In February 2017, the Los Angeles City Council voted to deem the Cecil a historic cultural monument, and on December 13th, 2021, the Cecil Hotel reopened as an affordable housing complex, operated by the Skid Row Housing Trust. In April 2022, the historic Cecil Hotel room rate advertisement painted on its southern facade was illegally whitewashed. It's unclear who was responsible for removing the protected landmark signage, but it was likely done to make way for a new mural or billboard. The original advertisement had been on the building since at least 1929. Have a look at the Cecil Hotel online. Sad truths or nay, it still exists, so we shan't pretend it doesn't. It may not have that infamous giant iconic red and white painted sign that it used to, but it still has the old red and white Cecil Hotel letters running down the side. So it's still very distinctive. I'd love to go in there, or even just stand outside it. Perhaps one day I will. But for now, I'll just look at it online and imagine what kind of stories it could tell, if it had a mouth. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone, <laughs> and for letting me inject a bit of Los Angeles soul into your day. 
I hope you found this story, though sad, to be an interesting one, and that you were suitably intrigued by it. Long live hotels and all who haunt them, and may their power forever compel you to beware the rooms where the past still haunts the present, because some hotels hold more than just memories. See you later. Goodbye. Well, hello there. Who the devil are you?